all I want now leaving this conversation is a cowboy hat edit. Just give me, just give me the cowboy cut. Welcome back to the Hauntsville Cribcast, and welcome to our first Go On Without Me segment. Today, we are not going to be joined by Anna. Unfortunately, she could not make this segment. So, I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. And I'm John. It's 4th of July, and the beaches are open. So today, we're talking about Jaws. I have been talking about wanting like to do a Jaws episode since the inception of this podcast, because I have vivid memory of arguing with someone in high school about whether or not jaws is a horror movie and a thousand percent it is no i i what? will refute you on that the horror community wants jaws to be a horror movie so bad and it's not let's start here okay <laughs> right, hang on no so we've got my opinion you got your opinion john where do you fall or did you get caught in the middle of this like a child of divorce i've always looked at it as a horror movie I have Damn, always taken it as so I feel like Jaws has laid out the perfect blueprint for what horror can be when done super, super well. When you're patient with it, I always harp on being patient, building up tension. And Jaws is really one of the best examples of that. So, yeah, I'm going to have to side with Doza on this one. Wow, I can't believe the next Go On Without Me is not going to feature me because none of us are friends anymore. <laughs> this is insane. Well, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. It's definitely an excellent thriller, and it captures, like, it's a masterclass on building tension. When's the last time you watched Jaws, Anthony? Today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I literally rewatched it so that we could do this, like, because I knew that we were going to have this discussion because even though I didn't know you in high school, we have briefly touched on this. And we've briefly touched on the fact that we disagree, and every time we're both like, we're going to go to our respective corners and we're going to save this for the podcast. But Jaws is a slow burn. That being said, I don't think it's incredible at building the tension that it should be building. And I say that because when you think of a horror film, and I brought this up about E.T., it's about (laughs) tone. Horror is about the tone that we're conveying, and as iconic as the Jaws theme song is... Y'all are going to give me those heavy strings as soon as I say Jaws theme song. But what you're going to leave out is the mystical flute that happens immediately after that. As beautiful as this score is, it doesn't convey horror. It doesn't lend to tension in the scenes that follow it. We it get, absolutely does. I don't think so. It feels From a musical like, standpoint, it does. I can promise you. I feel like <laughs> it, it does what Spielberg does best. And like if you remove the blood, Jaws could be a family-friendly film. Here, here's what I have to say uh, about the music. People, even even today, myself included, like I get goosebumps when I hear that because it, I don't know if it's, this is going to sound so self-indulgent, but I have like a pretty good musical ear and it is a minor second interval between the two starting notes, which is a half step in between them. So like if you play them at the same time, it'll be dissonant and sound wrong. And having them played back to back like that in succession conveys a sense of of emptiness and leaves you, or me at least, and maybe those more musically inclined, wanting more, expecting something else. And that payoff uh, with respect to Jaws is a big big shark. 
man, I am so glad that my music degree is finally going to come in handy somewhere. Basically, oh God, what John, yes. <laughs> basically, what they're doing is they are creating not only the visual tension that we constantly talk about with horror movies and wanting there to be that anticipation, but it's musical tension as well. So the music is psychologically cluing us into what we're in for and what we can be expecting. And the reason that we feel so tense in those scenes where it's just Jaws stalking through the water and we know that something's going to happen is that minor second interval. You're right. When it's played together... It creates such dissonance that the one thing that our our brain craves is resolution. So you build that tension up and up and up and more and more. And finally, once it resolves with the attack, that's where we start getting in these other strings that come in that help us to kind of feel this this release and feel way more relieved because it's like, oh, okay, it's finally over. So not only are they doing it in that visual sense of how terrifying bruce is on screen but also with the music and it's a perfect marriage of the two and that's what i i always love a really good score that's that's totally my bag and jaws is a prime example of using your score to help build what we're seeing visually and enhancing it okay for the scenes where we do see bruce stalking through the water yes they do a very good job of building tension and releasing there but we do so much intercutting back to the beach and back to the community and back to the people. Like Jaws is a two hour movie. I just finished watching it. There are about four of these catch and release tension moments throughout the whole film, resulting in the final 10 minutes being this climactic shark attack. Even that, it plays out like an action sequence. I at no point do I feel mortal fear for the core three characters short serves me right because you know quint gets it but i don't feel like in horror we face our mortality in horror as much as we have these like movies like piranha etc like where a lot of people are involved we usually have a few people who are going through something that we can latch on to and grow with and watch them face down mortality their own mortality and come out on the other side with this newfound sense of who they are and maybe because i haven't seen jaws 2 and jaws 1 ends on them kind of just going back to the beach i don't ever feel like there will be consequences for the people that i'm following we watch a lot of people who don't really bear consequence on the story get attacked okay they bear consequence on the story they don't bear consequence on our characters because the entirety of Jaws is plot-driven. Shark things happen, everybody responds to the sharkening, and then we have our story. I feel like characters are secondary to the story in Jaws. Because when we're following Brody, uh, and he's try- he knows that there is something more going on than what we're seeing, there's a little bit of dramatic irony there, and that is where the the tension for me resides. Like The, the shark is entirely removed from the situation, and you see shots of people going in the water and the mayor is so adamant about having this 4th of July celebration go on that, like, uh, if I had never seen it, this is just like, oh, God, like, what what's going to happen? Like, you know, something is going to happen, but what and to whom and to, to what cost? And that is I'm sweating right now thinking about that. <laughs> Good, because I want to sidebar you on that real quick. I don't know when the last time you guys watched Jaws was. But treat yourself in this mid-COVID, post-COVID world that we're in, because my 
God, was that the political climate that we just went through? Yes, 100%. yes, a thousand percent. I thought the memes were funny back when I was, you know, they were popping up, but like, holy shit, like, I haven't seen Jaws in a couple of years. And so now watching that in oh. this mid slash post COVID world, it hits, it hits. Th- this episode couldn't have been better timed because I also just recently had a rewatch of it with Michelle. She'd never seen it before, which I was shocked. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that I've shown it to you, but whatever. We ended up rewatching it. We had that same exact reaction where we're going, wow, I can't believe that the mayor is just sending everyone right into the water as a nice little sharky snack. But to Doze's point, I do agree that I feel for Sheriff Brody in the way that especially after Alex Kittner bites it or gets bitten. That, um, where you're, I know that exactly is definitely... Where you're going, that's the biggest payoff in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful because from the start, he knows that something else is going on. He doesn't quite know what, but I think it might speak to the fact that he's coming, he's escaping the city and making his way to Amity Island in hopes that, okay, I'm done dealing with these crazies in, you know late 70s early 80s new york i am just gonna relax and you know spend my time here on this island what's the worst that could happen and lo and which behold, is like his exact attitude in the opening scene which is so great and then once we finally see that he realizes oh no okay i'm back in in the thick of it pretty much he reacts appropriately and no one else seems to take it seriously my favorite being not just the the mayor is a super great example of that but his wife's friends who are like, oh, well, you know, I, I really don't want to close the island down, not because of my hotel or anything. You know, you see how it's all self-interest and just how am I going to lose out on a 4th of July just because, one, you know, something happened to this one person that I don't really know. And it's great how everything just kind of snowballs from there. And Brody's the only one who winds up seeing some direct consequences from that, besides the people who get eaten, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but even as we're having this conversation, like, we have to sidebar and the people who get eaten because there's <laughs> four attacks. The most important one. Well, okay. No, Kidner's is the most important <laughs> one. But the second most important one, which sparks them to finally, like, charter the orca and go out to sea happens off screen which i'm not wholly opposed to we get a lot of like to horror off screen deaths but if it's going to be a catalyst if it's going to be important if we're going to try and set a tone with this it should be given more more credence and more relevance we sort of just jump right into okay like three people are dead three strikes you're out it's time to go into the water that's the shark rule. But like a lot of that comes out of necessity uh, with not not even uh, for for the story or for the plot, just like out of uh, equipment capabilities because the, the shark kept failing and they couldn't show it as much as, as they wanted it to. And I don't know if that scene in particular is a direct result of like our shark is falling apart. Let's just move on to the next thing. Like even with that, I, I still think it's it's beautifully paced because at that point it's just been building and building and building, and then it's just like, all right, fuck it, let's go get this goddamn shark. I'm grateful for the fact that the shark malfunctioned the way that it did, apart from the <laughs> actual injuries that were sustained on set. But I think if we had seen any more of Bruce than we did, it could have lended itself more to the hokier, campier 
sort of 70s films. It for sure would have been really cheesy. Yeah, which I know that they built four different Bruce's just to make sure that they were able to capture each of the shots that they needed. Yeah, there's there's the head, there's the full body, then there's the side shark, left side, side shark, right side. It's funny when we think about the fact if if this movie hadn't been documented as well as it had and the goings on behind the scenes, we might have just all thought, oh man, Spielberg is a genius. He, he waits until an hour and 21 minutes into the movie before we actually see the shark. So... We could have all just thought that he was a complete genius and really practiced restraint. When meanwhile, it's like, oh, we can't get the star of this movie to work. <laughs> we can't get the shark to work. <laughs> I love it. And, but and that's like a lesson straight out of the book of Cat People. Because Cat People is Cat People, Rosemary's Baby. It very much is that suspense built on what you can't see. The Cat People, they do a lot of alluding to what is happening and alluding to the aforementioned cat people without actually showing you anything and rosemary's baby the most iconic moment is its eyes what have you done to its eyes and we never see what the baby actually looks like so yes that's highly effective it it lends itself to fear of the unknown it lets us work our overactive imaginations to what the worst possible scenario could be had you gone into jaws not knowing that it was a shark movie it could have started almost as a creature feature. It could have lent itself to being any sort of undersea creature and then eventually revealed, you know, uh, like you said, an hour and 20 minutes, it eventually reveals that this is uh, definitely a shark movie. Yeah. But up until that point, we can kind of hazard a guess at almost anything else, uh, apart from having an oceanographer come in and be like, yeah, the shark definitely has a a mouth this diameter. You could have any creature that has a shark-like mouth. But here's where I'm going to kind of prod you guys a little bit more as to Jaws being a horror movie. Is Jurassic Park a horror movie? Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. I can't stand you guys. I was just going to bring this up. So it the second not. act of Jurassic so Park. Let's, let's say Jaws is a horror adventure movie in the way that I, and I miss horror adventures so bad. I think The Mummy is probably the last one that we really got. Bro, you didn't like Fantasy Island? Oh, I completely forgot. You're right. You're absolutely correct. How could I have forgotten the cinematic masterpiece that was 2020's Fantasy Island? The last last... movie that the three of us saw in theaters. Wow, we're full circle. Right after The Boy 2. So, yes, it's a melding. You're, You're putting together horror and adventure, which I think just goes together. And yeah, the dinosaurs aren't necessarily the scary, the scary part in Jurassic Park. It's how power hungry we can be. But yeah, I think Jurassic Park is another prime example of how Spielberg is able to give us adventure and horror while also giving us a really deeply beautiful story in Jaws. It gets brought up constantly, but I think it's worth saying it again here. The scene with Sheriff Brody and his son at the dinner table just after finding the shark that's so beautiful just seeing him have that little moment with him and his son his son's copying every one of his movements and it's like he's saying to himself i I, god like this is all i wanted is these kinds of moments and he asks him for a kiss and he's like you know why and he's like because i need one it's great and that's what spielberg is great at doing giving us a smattering of those little bits of of heart of real human emotion while also giving us Samuel L. Jackson telling us to hold on to our butts while a shark comes <laughs> screaming out of the water. 
Absolutely. It's definitely a an iconic film. It deserves every piece of, of credit and credibility that it has garnered over the years. I just, I don't think it's a horror movie. In I get fact, where you're coming from, though. It shares the layout of a Western. The stranger comes to town. The stranger fucks things up. That's your outlaw. Then they call a town meeting. Everybody talks about how they do or don't want to go after the stranger because it's pertinent to them and their lifestyle. Then they designate the sheriff as the one to go after him. The sheriff rallies a posse together. The sheriff goes after the outlaw. We spend the rest of the movie in outlaw territory where the sheriff and his men are in danger, only to have the sheriff return back to town with the glory of having defeated the outlaw. But again, that doesn't make them mutually exclusive. No, no, no. no. (laughs) And I've seen Western horror movies. Not all of them are good. Most of them, in (laughs) fact, are bad. And some of them are Jaws. (laughs) <laughs> I think just because something has scary elements doesn't mean that it has to be subsectioned horror. Like, Labyrinth scared the shit out of all of us when we were little. Dark Crystal is horrifying, but those are those are dark fantasies. They're not horror movies. Right, but it, it's not even that Jaws is, is a scary movie. It's the stuff that we as the viewer pull from the movie that makes it horror for the the whole beginning hour and a half of not seeing the shark and living in that realm of the what if and the imaginative of the darkness of the human mind just what could this creature be like what is it capable of what is going on and that is where the horror is. You get what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? It does. And I know that a lot of people want to give Jaws the we were the monsters all along benefit. But as soon as the mayor's family is in danger, he changes his tune. We depart from that storyline so quickly and go directly into Moby Dick. After that point, we can't deny that the shark is the monster. It's no longer the shark going after people for the the sake of human greed or or for people being arrogant to the point of stupidity. These dudes are now in shark territory. Like for all intents and purposes, this is this is where Bruce lives. Leave Bruce alone. (laughs) Except Bruce isn't supposed to be there. They're not supposed to travel that far up north. That's why we bring in Matt Hooper. Amity Island is supposed to be loosely based in New York. And every couple of years, we do get Great White sightings. We've had, I think, three of them off the coast in the last year, and some of them of pretty decent sizes. So, like, yes, it's not supposed to happen, but, like, that doesn't make it any... The ones that we're getting now are directly our fault because that's like a climate change, global warming thing. And we're fucking up their migratory (laughs) patterns and we're bringing them here. Right. So is it up to us to go out there and harpoon them? No, it's up to us to make the sharks go back to where they're supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah, that's one really sad fact about the movie itself is that they did need a shark for the scene where you've got all of these guys coming back in thinking the that they've wrangled shark. the right shark. So they did need an actual shark for that movie. I grew up thinking that that was a prop, but especially on this later watch, I was like, oh, that's totally a real shark. Yeah, they had to head all the way down to Florida to capture one and then bring him back up. And you can see kind of how disgusted everybody is as they're standing around him. So that's it's a real shame. It's one of those kind of like, you know, 70s early 80s like oh yeah no one will care about this animal kind of thing it's also the 
just the direct impact that this movie had on shark fishing. It's been popular since the 60s. There have been shark fishing competitions prior to Jaws. But after Jaws is when they started getting the marketability and the press to have these like, be the one to catch a man eater, be the one to catch the biggest shark, be the one to catch the most sharks in a year. It stopped being about people going after sharks because of the damage that they can do and more just because they want the title of being like Brody. Yeah, they fashion yeah. themselves as a quint themselves, whose entrance, by the way, is the best. Just watching that scene again with someone who's never seen the movie and just having them turn to me and go, Jesus Christ, John, you couldn't have warned me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I, I hate that. I hate where it went. You know, that that some people had to kind of take it there where they went, oh, okay, I can obviously use this to now become a, a real shark wrangler myself. It sucks. And it's one of those negative sides of uh, the kind of impact that the movies had. The movies impacted so many different aspects throughout life, you know, scaring people out of the water, getting kids into horror movies and stuff like that. But yeah, unfortunately, just don't go sharking. To Eli Roth's credit, he is currently in production of a documentary called Finn, which is uh, going deep into the impact of commercial shark fishing on the environment, on the shark population. I watched the trailer for it. I've been following his Instagram to see where this journey goes, and it seems like it's going to have a lot of really good information Stemming from exactly this conversation, Jaws' impact on recreational sharking to how explosive the commercial sharking industry has become. That's really great. I, I mean, the only film of Eli Roth's that I can really watch is Cabin Fever. So yeah, I'm excited for that too. I didn't know. I always want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I watched Green Inferno in theaters and that is the maddest I've ever been at him. But I do want to see Finn. I do want to support Finn. Uh, I think especially with the boom in Shark Week, as much as sci-fi and Discovery and all these channels want to play it off like they're trying to be better for sharks, it's just causing us to make more movies like The Meg 47 meters. Meters down. Yeah. And the second one. Uncaged. The only <laughs> the only shark movie that I want to see, aside from Jaws, I want to sit down and watch Ouija Shark. Deep Blue Sea. Ah, fuck. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea is an absolute masterpiece. I oh, wait. love Deep Blue Sea. And House Shark. Have you guys seen the trailers for House Shark? No. House Shark? Yeah. Like H-O-U-S-E? Yeah, like there's a shark in the house. That's my nightmare. <laughs> what is this movie? And when? House Shark? It came out last year? Two years? It came it, out. It, yeah, it's out. It is, we could watch House Shark. And we're doing this? Holy shit. To flip off of the bummer of uh, the impact on like the, the shark murdering, what about like all the cool, fun pop culture stuff that Jaws has like sort of springboarded? And like how like truly and profoundly it impacted the film industry as a whole, even through movies today, maybe even pioneering the concept of a summer blockbuster. It also wasn't originally supposed to be released in the summer. So the fact that it did finally get that summer release and then pioneered that for everyone else, it's amazing. I it can't really imagine watching Jaws at any other time of year. Right. It's just I mean, it's set <laughs> during Fourth of July. How could we not? have it during the summer imagine if that was a january release 
knowing what we know now about January releases. It would be much less impactful, like, watching it in the in the middle of June. I think it came out on June 20th, which we, we just blew past that. The the thought of, like, oh, shit, man, I'm going to the beach tomorrow. <laughs> like, and we, yeah. and we just watched Jaws. Fuck this. Yeah. It was a, a true and genuine sensation. When it was released, instantly, the highest grossing movie of all time for two years until Star Wars came out. It was also, like, the, the first movie to use mass marketing outside of of theaters like they were tossing advertisements in between primetime tv shows like if you were watching sanford and son or whatever was going on in 75 chances are you saw a commercial for jaws and they spent like an unheard of like two million dollars to advertise for that and that was something that nobody had ever done but now it's common practice where it's like, you know, not to milk a dead horse or whatever, but like the Marvel shows and the movies that they plan years in advance, those commercials are in between every show. You get them on the radio, you get them before, during, after movies somehow. And it really sort of got springboarded off of Jaws. That's I like amazing. that you mentioned Marvel commercials being during movies because every Marvel movie is a commercial for another Marvel movie. <laughs> I was tr- I was trying to like dance around that a little bit. No. <laughs> but yeah, imagine where we would be if we didn't have summer blockbusters. Imagine what movies would be like if they didn't have huge amount huge budgets just for the marketing itself. Every time we we put on a YouTube video and there's a a short little teaser in front of the video that we want to watch like Please, I just want to watch my crocheting. I don't want to see this fake out jump scare for the nun. <laughs> yes. Ugh. And as for other movies that were out when Jaws was out, it could not have come out at a better time. Because like the, the only other movies that were playing were, I think, Return of the Pink Panther, which is a sequel to a movie from the 60s. There's uh, Mandingo was out. So so little impact movies that I can't even think of the names off the top of my head. Competing with Jaws to the point where it just blew them out of the water <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to i didn't mean to it was not my intent <laughs> i saw the pain in your face it, it, as you it, let it fly. physically hurt me to say that i <laughs> you know my brain was like batter up we're saying this and i just couldn't stop it <laughs> i also love the fact that we've got these three characters that just play so well off of one another sheriff brody Obviously, Roy Scheider. Uh, Richard Dreyfus is Hooper. Doza, you said it before, your favorite character. He's my favorite character in the movie. And Quint is amazing. Robert Shaw as Quint. Between his entrance with the nails on the chalkboard and his farewell and adieu to you, Spanish ladies. <laughs> I love him. The interplay that we get with the three of them, especially when they're on the boat. Quint just berating uh, Hooper and Brody as he's like, oh, what are you doing? Don't put your hands there. What are you? T- oh, my God, you're going to cut his legs off. What's wrong with you? It makes the the cabin sequence the you show me mine, I'll show you yours. Yeah, that much more amazing. That's great character building. Mm-hmm. That's they're, what they're very, I wanted very human characters for the they, first hour. <laughs> they get us to the point where we're so sucked in. I mean, on this most recent rewatch, I was so like on the edge of my seat listening to Quint tell his story. And I've seen this movie countless. You know, you grow up in New York, you've got TBS and you've got TNT. And if you were a kid in the mid to late 90s, all you were doing when you're home is watching afternoon movies on TNT or TBS. So the amount of times I've seen this on a random Wednesday afternoon, I can't even count. 
and just yeah, every just, time like, we get to that scene it's amazing even so like when i when i searched jaws before to like get all my the like the release date and everything you know how, like when you search a tv show and like show times come up like movie theaters are still playing this movie it is still showing on tv and we're approaching 50 years out like people aren't going to go fucking see fantasy another- island Fantasy Island 50 years from now. It's such an iconic film that it doesn't even need marketing anymore. You just say, we're showing Jaws and people come in droves to the point where I wish I knew how to swim because I want to do one of those like you sit out on a floaty raft and watch Jaws at like the equivalent of a drive-in. I saw those popping up over like the last couple summers. It sounds like an awesome experience. Like that's how you watch Jaws. Jaws is a movie-going experience. This is one of the fun fun facts I do know about Jaws. I feel like everybody has fun facts about the production of Jaws, and I just, like, watched it and didn't bother to follow up on it until, like, this rewatch. So apparently, Shaw's story, he wrote himself, got totally blitzed before doing that scene, doesn't remember doing it, and apologized to Spielberg just in case the next day. (laughs) That's wow, amazing. It was fucking awesome. That yeah. is amazing. <laughs> she had a very different reaction to the movie. She was like, oh, this is way longer than I thought it was going to be. This movie could have been over like half an hour ago if we cut out this cabin scene in particular. And I was what? like, wow. Okay. I could name three other scenes that would cut out of Jaws that aren't the cabin scene. And even with that, like, I, I feel like Jaws gets over and done with pretty quick like i know it's like a slow burn but it's not a long movie no it's two hours i watch an hour and a half conjuring movie and i feel like i've been sitting in my seat for three days <laughs> is that they're that short yeah most of them are about an hour and a half maybe two hours it does tops. not feel like that nope to her credit she was exhausted that day so she was just ready <laughs> and we didn't start until maybe 10 45 11 o'clock so maybe that's my fault yeah because at that point i totally can see where she's like Show show me the fucking shark, please. I want to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So one really cool thing we had mentioned before, just how hokey the movie could have become had they shown the shark, especially during the attack on the other fishermen, how we kind of go into this fisherman's graveyard. I love Jaws for making Bruce just smart enough. The scenes where those buoys keep popping up or the kegs keep popping up are excellent. And I love how it's showing us just how smart he is and just how much thought is going into his plan. You know, he wants to go under the boat. He wants to kind of lull them into this false sense of security. And I love when movies do that. Another movie that kind of does the same thing is Crawl with alligators. Just give me an animal that's just being what that animal is. You don't have to make them super, super smart. Give me a little glimpse of intelligence and a little glimpse of malice, and I'm all there for it. But if you give me a genetically, a doubly genetically enhanced velociraptor that winks at the camera right before <laughs> it's about to bite someone, I'm gonna hate it. Crawl is actually my recommendation for today, which we'll we'll get to it. Uh, I wanted to do like a whole fucking episode about that and the 47 meters down movies which came out pretty much concurrently and how vastly different they are because crawl is fucking awesome here's the thing that i want to talk about when it comes to jaws versus something like 47 meters down they depict jaws as being smart 
And rightfully so, Jaws leans into every predatory instinct that a shark should have. Sharks have this incredible longevity. The oldest currently living shark is like 225 years old, I think. You live to be that old, you're bound to develop an understanding of your environment, especially if you're developing around people. So for Jaws to come in and be just another dumb shark would just make this feel like such a cheat. Like we've been cheated out of what this shark should have been. And to to speak to Jaws' age and size, I kind of fell down this rabbit hole of shark facts. Going off of that, I delved into like giantism in sea creatures. You know, if we're going to do a Moby Dick, then we got to talk about why some sea creatures are just so damn big. You keep saying Moby Dick, but that's this is not what Moby Dick is about. <laughs> Jaws and Moby Dick have a lot of the same points. Or at least Quint's story. Quint's story is our Moby Dick story, definitely. Quint is Moby Dick, but Jaws as a whole is a, we got to get this fucking shocked because the 4th of July. (laughs) But so the like giant sharks, like the megalodons, etc. got as big as they did because of the depth of sea level that they were at they weren't able to get food sources so their bodies just kept retaining what they had and every little bit that they got just made them bigger and bigger and the fact that they didn't have to fight gravity like the deeper down that they went the larger that they were able to become to keep themselves warm for this like these cold depths and to just survive not having any food so like theoretically jaws is possible yeah like we said before if it ain't broke don't fix it they just evolved to be the perfect specimen for what they are. And yeah, the the Megalodon literally had no predators. When you've got no predators, except for maybe, I mean, what was the other? Yeah, other Megalodons. (laughs) They're just fighting one another. It's it's easy to kind of just swim around and just be the big man on campus. And it's frightening. It's so frightening when you think about just how big these creatures got. Um, between them, giant squid, it's disgusting. It's so <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> These, I love okay, a good no. giant squid movie, but just just the fear of the deep and how little we know of our own ocean. The fact that we know more about space than we do of our own ocean. Uh, there's like a meme that says, like, listen, we know that there's shrimp down there. There's no need for further exploring. Just quit <laughs> it. Stop going down there. That's exactly how I feel, which is why... The scene, again, going back to the the kind of fisherman graveyard scene, uh, is so scary to me. We get that shot from overhead into the water. The water is completely black, which that was actually all reshot in the editor's pool. She let them... Really? Not the scenes where we can see the boat, but everything from Hooper being underneath with the head popping out through the hole. That was all shot in the editor's uh, pool. Yeah, because they knew that they needed to do some reshoots. And she was like, just do it in my pool. Nobody's in there. (laughs) What's so terrifying about that scene is as we're watching Hooper get ready, not only are we afraid like, oh, God, the shark's going to get him. But you've got the lights under the boat casting this really eerie yellowish green shine into the water just before he pops in where I'm like, oh, it's going to be a giant squid now. I'm just waiting for the (laughs) eye to come up. (laughs) And then, of course, we get that scare Probably the best scare in the movie, the biggest scare in the movie, I'd say, as the head comes rolling on through. We're getting like really, really close to a lot of deep seated fears that I have as a person. And I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't I don't like open water. I don't like when something is big and under the water. 
but for some reason i fucking love this movie maybe because maybe it's because they scare me is why i like them so much because i i instantly put myself in their flippers and i'm just like oh man if i was there this would be the worst thing imaginable and i would be like primo prey because i'm I'm a very good swimmer, but I'm a big splasher. I like to I like to panic. I'm very good at that. And <laughs> Look, so it's just like bears. You just gotta be faster than the slowest guy there. And I can't swim. But like how do you make like, loud noises underwater to tell the shark to go away? You go, oh, oh. <laughs> uh fun yeah. fact, uh hearing is a shark's greatest uh sense. Weakness. Oh no. <laughs> so can, they can smell a drop of blood from a mile away, but they can hear even greater. Yeah, dude. They can hear so well. Like everything is just about follow the sound and the rest will come. Oh my god. Oh, so every time I've been sitting on the beach and I've been like, you know what? Fuck sharks. They knew. Yeah. Yeah, there's just one guy offshore going, Oh man, what what did I do to you? <laughs> no respect. Oh my god. Jabberjaw. Yeah, Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw is a direct result of Scooby-Doo being popular and Jaws being popular. And they were like, you know what? What if Scooby-Doo was Jaws? And they made one of my favorite <laughs> shows of all time. Is that true? <laughs> Jabberjaw is the, the same sort of crew as Scooby-Doo and came out immediately the after the release after. of Jaws. I know that Jabberjaw is just Scooby-Doo. So is Josie and the Pussycats. And the, the one with the car. Dune Buggy. Or speed buggy, something like that. Speed buggy? Slug buggy? I don't know, the 70s were good. Yeah, all those Hanna-Barbera cartoons were just recycled. Do you guys want to do a quick run-through of bad shark movies? Orca. Not about sharks, but came out and they were like, what if we did killer whales? (laughs) There's a lot of like horny Jaws movies that came out. What do you mean horny Jaws? You haven't seen Deep Jaws? Oh, yikes. (laughs) But then there's also an, an actual like porn parody of jaws called gums and Oof. i i watched a little bit of it and yeah i i i just answer been... one thing for me and i don't have to know anything else ever uh-huh do they fuck the shark i don't know <laughs> because <laughs> I, unless i've been doing like porn wrong for a really long time this was like an art film <laughs> it was like it was like psychedelic and trippy and it was like too big of brain for me to understand and i was like oh and there's boobies <laughs> so, so it was an a24 so, film yeah <laughs> more or less yeah but if you guys got bad jaws movies i'd love to hear them i mean shark movies i mean we know the bad, bad jaws, jaws movies are jaws the return jaws 3d and jaws 4 the jaws in it or is jaws 4 the return are there four Jaws movies? I've only ever seen the first Jaws movie because I There's don't four Jaws think anything else needs to matter or happen. Jaws 4 has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Not only that, so, but is that the movie where they have the shark roar? Like yes. a lion roar before he yeah. blows up? <laughs> like a shark. Oh, boy. You know, like a shark does. Wait, do all the sharks in the Jaws movies blow up? Is this the only confirmed way to kill sharks? Uh, he is a, he's a Mako shark in the book. I know that. Oh, weird. I didn't know that. He's a Mako shark instead of a great white. Those are so notoriously hard to come by when you're trying to film. Wait, but... <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm making this up. <laughs> they're they're narrow and they have the, the jaw that kind of like goes down. They this have the nothing. jaws. They have the jaws. <laughs> Arby's, we have the jaws. Taglines like that were like actually coming up like in pop culture. Like when Rocky Horror came out, I think 
also in 75 on some of the posters the tagline was a different set of jaws yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh man weird Mm -hmm. yeah jaws was fucking huge but yeah he's 25 uh, feet long and the largest (laughs) known great white is only 21 feet long what are, what are we doing? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you guys have bad shark movies you want to rattle off? I don't really have any. Like, I have two wish list probably bad shark movies, which is House Shark and Ouija Shark. But like, I don't know. I tend to avoid animal-based horror movies, I guess. They just, they don't do it for me. Not a shark, but boar. Man, what a fun bad time. It's about a giant, <laughs> giant boar. And they did it practically. It's a real good pig. <laughs> That's a real good pig. <laughs> and Bill Mosley's in it. Look at that. Of course he would be in oh, something holy like shit. that. This looks awesome. Boar? Yeah. It's not awesome, but it is a good time. I mean, him, he, the boar. Oh, yeah. Good pig. <laughs> real good pig. But yeah, animal horror movies don't really do it for me. Mostly because I feel like they do tend to, to toe this line. Like, I could probably say boar is not really a horror movie. It's got more horror elements than Jaws does. I'll kill you. Go ahead. Try. <laughs> you can't find me. You don't know me. I can and I do. <laughs> Anaconda is not a horror movie. Ana- That's another one. That's um. You see, I feel like Anaconda isn't a horror movie. For maybe just because I, I. You guys are so frustrating. <laughs> I, I definitely don't think that one's a horror. It hits Only- all the same beats as Jurassic Park. Mm. I think it's because it doesn't look good. It yeah. doesn't look good. But it's and fun. It's got what's her name and what's his name in it, and they don't really do a good job. And then the snake vomits him up, and it looks really cool for one second in the nineties. And then he winks. I was trying and to instead find of, like instead of LL Cool J, the way we get in Deep Blue Sea, we've got Owen Wilson getting thrown off the <laughs> uh, the boat and getting swallowed up by the anaconda, which is nowhere near as good as Jaws. And Anthony, don't you dare compare it to Jurassic I'd, Park. Oh my god, <laughs> they hit the same beats. <laughs> uh i do love a good animal horror though uh like it's got to be a good one even even if it's like borderline not so great like alligator alligator i rented so many times from the video store as a kid <laughs> and watched it again and again and again and it's not phenomenal but it's good it's a fun time it's a big old alligator he got flushed down the toilet i forget if there was um some sort of ooze a la ninja turtles that made him real big or if it was just him being in the sewer. Also, I guess because I love alligators as much as I love sharks, Lake Placid. Lake Placid is a bonkers time. Not a horror time. movie. Not a horror movie. Definitely not. It's way more of a comedy. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lake Placid is a comedy. It's it's a dark comedy. When you've got Betty White feeding her husband to an alligator in her backyard lake, that's a comedy. Anthony's going to explode. <laughs> I agree that Lake Placid is more of a comedy than anything. Would you argue Jaws is a comedy? No, there's nothing funny about Jaws. Quint is really funny I think funny he looks kind of funny. Quint is, Quint is so fucking funny. Quint is the comedic relief in a tense Hooper's, Hooper's really funny. That scene when he comes Hooper. over for dinner and he's like, hey, are you are going to finish that? And just starts scarfing down <laughs> Sheriff Brody's dinner. And he's like, uh, oh, you're going to want to let that breathe. Oh, okay. No, never mind. Wow, what a dichotomy of a cast. Dreyfus was 27 when he filmed that against Robert Shaw, who was like a hot star at the time, like up and coming, like British actor. That fucking rocks. Yeah. Rewatching it this last time, I was so surprised by just how young he looked. Yeah. 
they have great chemistry and they they hit the the jackpot on the on the casting in this film wait, yeah. wait 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 a british actor playing an american character and casting in this movie one of my favorite directorial choices that i paid no mind to until this rewatch is making sure that the kids had long island accents <laughs> when they tell mikey to get out of the boat that's the most long island conversation i have ever seen on film oh boy you got anybody got got closing remarks about real cool sharks sharks are just awesome and watch more information on them i definitely I'm going to keep an eye out for Finn. I hope y'all will too. I think it sounds interesting. And as much as I don't want to watch, I know that it does depict sharks being murdered. I don't want to watch that part, but I know that it's going to have some real important information. And I think it's it's one of those hard watches people are going to have to treat themselves to. Yeah, I think, I mean, in the same way that Blackfish kind of did that same thing. Where it's like, oh, this is awful to have to watch and awful to have to realize that when we go and we are like, oh, look at these animals that are totally not in their natural habitat. You know, it's the lesson that we learn by the end of the movie. But hey, you know, if it'll make anybody feel better, myself included, uh, I love pretty much every song that came out about Jaws during the time and every song pretty much since. There's that Lemon Demon song, Jaws. There's... Jaws, you swam away with my heart, which is uh, a song about two gay lovers, one of which is eaten by Jaws, which came out in the 70s. And that fucking rocks <laughs> much, much better. And he doesn't even try to hunt him down. Yeah, <laughs> that was basically just their version of the KKK took my baby away. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's amazing when we go back and rewatch it. Yeah, okay, it can be argued that Jaws isn't necessarily a horror movie. Sure and fucking we dis- tried. And we disproved that theory. We didn't disprove but- anything. <laughs> it's been it's been said here. So it's awesome to be able to go back and rewatch it and realize Doza, like you mentioned, just how impactful it was, just how it changed the way that we see summer there really wasn't a summer blockbuster before Jaws. It reinvented the film industry. It created fears in a ton of us and fears that we celebrate and we go back and we we rewatch the movie for and then yeah it helps to make us more aware of some of the less savory things that go on in the world so let's educate ourselves more about sharks let's find out why they are friends not food and enjoy the movies even when not all of the jaws inspired movies are great on that note do y'all want your fear of the day sure Yes. We got a triple header, friends, because I feel like Jaws deserves The triple headed shark? I wish. That's, <laughs> That's the my next fear. One. <laughs> I wanted to get into a couple of fears that I think could have been provoked by Jaws on two different ends of the spectrum. So first one, which you guys have probably already heard of, is thalassophobia. That's, I actually know what it is. That's the fear of open water? It's kind of. It yeah, it does. I think it's just the fear of the ocean, right? Yeah, it's the fear of the ocean. It's the fear of mm. the deep. It's the fear of open water. Thalassophobia is have just a so general bad. fear of water. And I think especially oh. with not to be confused with like hydrophobia, <laughs> thalassophobia is more about like deeper waters, waters that could conceal something, but not quite fear of the unknown. It's just fear that like, I don't know how deep this goes. Yep, um, I have that. I'm looking at pictures right now and I'm <laughs> i think i have thalassophobia to a degree but i'm also so curious about all the like really deep sea life stuff that i can't look away 
it's so fascinating that you like want to look into that and kind of face your fear of thalassophobia. Um, I've yeah. tried to learn how to swim every summer of my life and everybody's been like, I'll teach you, I'll teach you, I'll teach you. And nobody has succeeded yet. You're just very dense. You, you sink. I do. <laughs> Let me know when you're taking classes because I'll come with. <laughs> oh, God. I keep, I search thalassophobia and monsters and I'm fucking sick. <laughs> Any Cthulhu's in there? So many. <laughs> Second fear, please. Help, help me. Okay. So the second and third fear kind of go hand in hand. They are galeophobia and salacophobia. The fear of your shark not working when you need it to. <laughs> Can we get the language of origin? No, you guys always ask me for this and I'm never prepared for it. The fear of seaweed touching your feet? No. Is it fear of under undersea creatures? It's fear of a particular undersea creature. Is it fear of sharks? Yeah. I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> so, galeophobia and salacophobia are both the fear of sharks, but on two different ends of the spectrum. Galeophobia is a fear of sharks themselves. It is actually actively being afraid of sharks as creatures, as a concept, as an image, whereas salacophobia is an unreasonable dislike. So, Doze, when you were like, I sit on the beach and I say, fuck you, sharks, that's salacophobia instead of galeophobia. <laughs> oh, no, that... So, salacophobia is something that most likely was spurred on post-Jaws, at least in mass, where people were just like, yeah, sharks are man-eaters, fuck sharks. I'm going to go out and kill one without learning anything about them. I just want to put it out there that i i was being facetious like i truly and genuinely love sharks as a creature <laughs> i think the, it sounds fake but i think they're absolutely fascinating i think they're so fucking cool and it goes hand in hand with again back to jurassic park my fascination with dinosaurs just like they've been alive for so so long and that is uh, amazing to me and they're, they're not bothering anybody i was looking up like shark stats before yeah dude I was like a better chance of getting drafted by the NBA uh, than getting attacked by a shark. I think this statistic is currently for every one person who dies in a shark attack each year, uh, we kill 100 million sharks. Oh, yikes. That's us. And we're at USA. somewhere between... Uh, USA is like seventh on the list of most exported shark meat. I, can't, I of hate course we are. there is a, a, a top 10 of Top that. 10, baby? Um, we were the monsters all along do we want to do recommendations yeah yeah i'm sorry i keep bringing this episode down i feel like you guys like anna and i should have switched places i'm gonna edit out a bunch of the bummers we'll figure this out (laughs) who wants to go first i might as well because john got mine out of the way about an hour ago (laughs) oh i'm sorry Uh, i know (laughs) it's it's totally chill i i watched this on a whim uh, last year just because i was like it, it was raining and i was sitting inside and i was like i want to watch something with a, a similar mood to what it's like outside and i was like oh here's a hurricane movie about an alligator hell yeah let's do this thing and i thought it was fucking awesome it's about i think she's like a professional swimmer uh, i don't know if she if she's in high school or if she's in college but it's it's a young woman who is stuck at home in her house during a category five hurricane during which an alligator finds its way 
uh, oh, this takes place in Florida, of course. Uh, and <laughs> an alligator finds its way into her house and then does standard alligator stuff where it's like, don't come near me. I'm going to bite you. <laughs> and it is unbelievably tense. It is so, so wild. I, I watched that in a double feature with, like I said before, 47 meters down, uncaged. And oh, it's got one of the girls from, from Skins in it, too. Yeah. I don't know if anybody Kaya, knows Skins. Kaya Scodelario. It also brings yep. Barry Pepper back, which I hadn't seen Barry Pepper since yeah. <laughs> like uh, Saving Private Ryan. Which, yes, exactly. And the Crawl is a great example of, like we mentioned before, give me a creature that's just doing what creatures do. I don't need to see this alligator come up with a super elaborate with a super elaborate plan to go after someone. It's just going to be an alligator being an alligator. That attack at the deli or gas station, phenomenal, yeah. so good. It's great, and it's it takes a, a page out of Jaws's book where it's you you don't see it for a lot of the time, and even when you do, it's it's shrouded in shadow, and that is like that that same tension of like fuck where is it where is it oh god what's gonna happen where ah no and then it happens or it doesn't happen which happens a couple times which i thought was great the sound design in that movie is great as well just that hiss that real low rumble and hiss that alligators give yeah so cool i love it we're getting so close to this just being an episode about crawl uh somebody else go (laughs) do a recommendation i want to see crawl it's definitely on my list i did avoid it initially because it is just another animal horror movie but my my recommendation kind of derails uh i don't know john if you've got an animal recommendation uh up your sleeve but i just watched vicious fun it's on shutter right now holy shit that was a good time it just came out it's an 80s style film really captures that uh aesthetic really well they did a great job of like period matching as much as they could most of it takes place in a chinese restaurant so they didn't have to like go too crazy with set design or like branching out beyond that but like it's a lot of fun this horror journalist accidentally finds his way into like a serial killer's self-help meeting and tries to blend in so as not to become the target and inadvertently becomes their target this felt like you know how everybody's always saying like they want the expendables of horror and they want like freddy jason etc to all be like in one movie yeah yeah. this is the expendables of horror oh cool so it's not necessarily a animal horror movie but something in the vein of jaws where we wait until a decent amount of time into the movie until we see the creature and it's also more surrounding the drama of our characters how could we do an episode on creature horrors without mentioning Tremors? Tremors, yeah. Tremors is just Jaws in the desert. I, I love, love Tremors. Tremors. It's such. It's. I mean, it goes without saying. It's such an iconic movie too. Kevin Bacon's great. I love all the characters. Reba, come on. <laughs> <laughs> There's like uh, three again, Tremors movies that came out under the radar in the last couple of years. I need to yeah. catch up. Yeah, we got like Tremors on ice. Like, not even joking, right? Yeah, it's like frozen hell or something. But yeah, the original Tremors is so great. It really is just the same kind of concept as Jaws, almost down to the way they even kill the the big bad. But loads and loads of fun, similar kind of tension building. Some would argue that maybe it's not a horror movie. Maybe it's an action thriller horror. Some might. (laughs) Some might. (laughs) But yeah, if you haven't seen Tremors somehow... It's okay. 
It's never too late. Go watch Tremors. I think that covers just about everything we could possibly say about Jaws. So thank you for tuning into the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. And I'm John. You can find me over on Instagram at Moonlight Mad Reviews and at Apple Podcasts and Spotify over at Moonlight Madness Radio. Happy hauntings. We'll see you in hell. You swam away with my heart. Oh, Jaws. You tore my whole world apart. Oh, Jaws. Come back with my heart.